You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in as today's talk comes from Jason Kemp. remember hearing a story when I was a kid. I don't remember who told it to me, um, but I just remember this story about a little guy, a little fella who, you know, maybe five, six years old, something like that, earned his first dollar. Maybe it was an allowance, maybe it was a birthday gift, who knows. But he got a brand new crisp $1 bill and he thought, oh, I'm going to go show the neighborhood. So he heads out going looking for his friends. He runs into his first friend. He's like, look what I got. I got me a brand new $1 bill. And the friend was like, oh, that's cool. Look what I've got. I've got two brand new shiny quarters. And the little fella goes, I'll trade you. Because everybody knows that two is more than one. Right. And so he takes his two shiny quarters. He goes down the road to find the next friend. And that friend says, oh, that's cool. But I've got three shiny dimes. Yeah. So guess what? Another trade is made because three is more than two. He goes down the road. You see where this is going. He finds another friend who ends up with four shiny nickels. And suddenly he's got four. And then the next friend, he's got five shiny pennies. And he's so proud of his pennies, he runs home to show his dad and says, look at my five shiny pennies. Aren't you so proud of me, dad? Look what I, look what I did. And at this point, dad, all he can do is just shake his head and smile and say, that's good, son, right? Because little did the boy know what wealth he was trading in for something that seemed so big at the moment. And that's kind of the story that we're going to be looking at today in Mark chapter 10. This is a story that's found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels. So it's in Luke 18, it's in Matthew 19 as well, that all three of the Gospel writers tell about the story of the rich young ruler. And so we're going to read through this today, verses 17 through 27 of Mark chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles with you or your phone or something like that that you want to follow along, or it's going to be on the screens as well. So here we are, Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. So as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked, for only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone and honor your father and mother. A teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. But there is still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all of your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, 
how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it is very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But not with God. Everything is possible with God. So in this story, we've got a young man. And as we look across the three gospel stories, we can learn that he is a leader, a teacher of religious law. He is very wealthy. He's young. He is one of those quick rises to fame in the Jewish culture that people admired. They looked at him and they were like, this guy's got it all together. I mean, he's, he's living in Center Grove. He's driving a fancy car. He's got a cushy job. He's a leader in the community. And oh my goodness, look how young he is, his wisdom. I mean, for all intents and purposes, someone raised this after the nine o'clock services. This might've been Paul. This is the kind of person that comes running to Jesus is one of those quick upstarts that was born into a wealthy family, had a great leadership, charisma, and people respected him, even though he was young. And so here's this man that's got it all together, and he comes running up to Jesus and kneels down before him. Now in that day, if you were standing in a position like that in the community, you didn't run. You walked with dignity, dignity and respect. You didn't run. You definitely didn't fall and kneel at the feet of someone else. And so here's this young man with a position of influence in the community, and he is running to Jesus. He is, he is saying, essentially, I am a fan of Jesus. I have been following. I understand his teachings. I get it. I want to know more. And if you compare that to another story of a religious leader named Nicodemus, in John chapter 3, how does Nicodemus approach Jesus? In the middle of the night. So here's a young man in a position of influence, running in the broad daylight, in the middle of the day, kneeling before Jesus, and he proclaims, good teacher. And in that day, that's a very customary greeting. It's normal for someone to respect an elder, to respect someone in the community that they would see as above themselves. And maybe, maybe this, this young man truly believes that God is good or that Jesus is good in this moment. Or maybe part of his rise to fame is because he was a little bit of a brown noser and he threw that statement around willy-nilly and helped him get to where he wanted to be. And the man asks, what can I do what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And so already this, this young man is highlighting where his heart is. That his statement is, what can I do? That if he truly was a leader of the religious law, he would understand scriptures like what Stephanie read just a moment ago. Psalm chapter 62. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. But yet he comes to Jesus saying, what can I do? What do I have to do? He's looking to himself. 
not to God. And Jesus confronts him and he says, why, why do you call me good? What is really in your heart at this moment? Are you truly believing that I am the Christ, that I am the Son of God? Because clearly you've been following my teachings. Do you truly believe that? Because we've certainly seen that pattern in Mark's writings. We've talked about this for a number of weeks. That Mark wants us to confront with that very question. Who do you say that I am? And he's looking at the rich young ruler going, why do you call me good? Because only God is good. And so if you're calling me good teacher, then you are ascribing that I am God's son. Do you truly believe that young man? But then he just jumps ahead and answers the question that's really on this young man's heart. And he says, to answer your question, what about the commandments? If you think salvation is up to you, if you think it's about what you can do to get to heaven, then let's talk about that. You're a religious leader. Let's talk about the law. And so Jesus lists out six of the commandments. He starts with the sixth commandment, goes through the 10th, and then repeats back to number five and honor your father and your mother. And, and the young man says, I have. I have obeyed since I was young. Now there's a cultural tradition in Jewish at the time in that community, in the Jewish community, that they believed that a person of righteousness was rewarded with wealth and possessions. And so if someone was rich, then clearly they were doing a pretty good job in life of following the law. And maybe this young man is sitting there going, I have always been wealthy. What do you mean? Keep the, I, clear, do you see how much I have? Clearly, I have kept the law. And at that moment is when Jesus looks at him and he feels genuine love and compassion. He says, but there's still one thing that you lack. Your wealth is standing in the way, so I need you to go and sell it. I need you to go and just get rid of your possessions, give it to the poor, you're gonna have treasure in heaven, and then you can come and follow me. But aren't I following you now? I mean, I've been following your teachings. I, I'm on my knees in public before you. I am following you. What do you mean go and s- I'm, I'm not there yet? And the rich young man gets up. His face falls and he walks away sad because he is wealthy. He has possessions. He has arrived in his own heart and his mind He's there. The irony is that, yes, he rightfully so should have walked away sad because what he was doing in that moment was trading in for five shiny pennies. He was trading in eternal life, salvation from Jesus, the Son of God, for five shiny pennies. And Jesus responds and says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And this amazed the disciples because of that cultural tradition that clearly a rich young ruler in the religious law, he's going to make it to heaven. He's a shoe in What do you mean the rich? Because at that time, there's also this idea that, that um, wealth was finite. 
There was an acceptable amount of wealth in the world, and it didn't really change. So if, if a righteous person was to get more wealthy, that meant that an unrighteous person was becoming poorer. And so clearly, if you're wealthy and you're righteous, you're the first in line at heaven's gate. But Jesus says, no, it is, it is more difficult for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into heaven. Because we can't do it on our own. It doesn't matter what we do, how much we accomplish, how much we amass in our lives. It doesn't matter that you can shove a floppy, humpy camel through the eye of a needle. And some people believe that that was a gate um, leading into the temple. But you find this saying in other scriptures, in other religions, other traditions. One even states an elephant going through the eye of a needle. It can't be done. And Jesus responds by saying that with humans, with us as people, it's impossible. But not with God. With God, everything is possible. Through this story, we can learn that salvation is only through God's power. The rich young ruler wanted to know, what can I do? What, what commandment do I need to keep to make it into heaven? And Jesus points out very quickly, well, you've already fallen short, buddy. Your wealth, your possessions, you have made an idol, and you have put that before me. You don't love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you don't love others more than yourself. So you have already broken the commandments. There's no way that you are going to get to heaven, young man. Only God is good. Only God has the power to save. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, a verse that many of us have probably memorized God has saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for it. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done so that none of us can boast about it. Salvation is not a, I can do this to earn that. Salvation is a gift, freely given through Jesus on the cross for our sin. And so Jesus' words of saying, you know, here's the commandments. Have you kept these? Okay, well, here, what about your possessions? Let's sell all that and give to the poor. This is not a prescription for how we are to live. It's good. We need to keep the commandments. We need to be generous. But Jesus is saying, this is not what gets you to heaven. It doesn't matter if you give all of your possessions to the poor. It doesn't matter if you serve in every ministry, every good thing in our community within New Hope. You could be a part of Cairo serving in the prisons. You could be a part of Life Centers helping unwed pregnant mothers. You could be a part of our vulnerable children with uh, uh, adopted children and foster families. You could be a part of, of missions in Ukraine, in the UK, in Czech Republic, in Rwanda, right here in Greenwood, Indianapolis, Chicago. Jesus is saying, you can do all of that and it's not going to get you salvation. You can gather every possession you ever wanted and it's not going to get you there. 
In Chrissy's video earlier, Jesus is the only one that can open that chair. If the chair was salvation, Jesus is the only one that has the power to open that chair. So this morning, don't walk away from Jesus sad. Let us not be like the rich young ruler and walk away sad. His pride would not let him surrender fully to Jesus. He had surrendered his pride in a public sense. He was running and he knelt before Jesus, but Jesus said, what about your wealth? I can't do that. That's, I did that. And so he walked away sad. If you think about Zacchaeus, who was another very, very rich man. He was up in a tree one day because he was short. I kind of like that part about him. (laughs) He's up in a tree and Jesus says, hey, I'm coming to your house. We're going to eat today. And at the meal, what is Zacchaeus' proclamation? I am going to, it's all yours. Take it. I'm going to be generous. I'm going to give it away. And if I stole from you, if I cheated you out of money, I'm going to give back four times to you. Zacchaeus is moved to action by Jesus' words in his life. But the rich young ruler in the story today walks away sad, trading his eternal life for five shiny pennies. There's another story about a rich man It's a parable this time in Luke chapter 12 where Jesus is telling a story about a rich man who who was already wealthy. And then the harvest comes and he's got so much grain, he can't even store it all. He is gonna get wealthier. And so the man decides, you know what? I think I'm gonna do tomorrow. I'm gonna tear down all of my barns, my silos. I'm gonna build new ones because look at what I have got. And then Jesus says, but he is a fool because that very night his life is going to be commanded of him and he has done nothing to prepare for tomorrow. A lot of times we're like the rich young ruler. That we say, God, you can take it all. You can have it all. But I'm going I'm to hold on to this right here. And when it's compared to salvation, it's just this tiny little thing. It's just five little shiny pennies. And we're pretty good at this if we admit that as a church, as Christians, Americans, Western culture, we're pretty good at this. That we hear God's word and we, and we walk away and we're going, oh my goodness, did you, did you hear the teachings of Jesus? Man, that was convicting. Oh my, wow. Hey, what's for lunch? And we walk away sad so many times because we hear the word of God and we don't put it to action in our lives. So where are we at today? Where are you at today? In this story, you might be like the rich young ruler, holding on to your goodness, holding on to the good things that you have done, holding on to your wealth, your possessions, going, I've kind of made it. I've got security. I'm good. Or maybe you're rich in something else. Maybe you're rich in saying, you know, I've got, <laughs> my family's awesome. My friends are awesome. I've got people around me that I can rely on, I can trust on. When the going gets tough, I'm good. 
or you don't understand the, the power and influence that I have in our community, in this world, people look to me. Why do I need Jesus? Or, you know, I've, I have staked my life on justice, that I believe that, that God wants these good things to happen in our world, and I'm doing them. I am living a good life. I am making things right in this world. But if we're doing it without Jesus, it's just five shiny pennies. I feel like this image kind of popped into my head this week of a maze. And if you imagine this room as a maze, um, you know, we've got walls and boundaries, and, and I'm standing at the opening door of the maze. And Jesus is at the end of the maze, right, right through those doors right there. We can almost see him. And this maze is not that complicated. Because there's one corridor right down the middle. I can see Jesus. I don't even have to explore all of these other turns and, and, and paths through this maze. Because as I go down this corridor, there's all these little offshoots, all these doors. And all those doors are things in my life that I could trust in. I could walk straight ahead. The path to salvation is simple, but the journey is hard because every path, every doorway tempts me to walk away, to put my trust in this over here or put my trust in something over here. And the next thing I know, I can't see Jesus anymore. God is calling us to follow him. Just as he asked the young ruler, come, follow me. How have we gotten off in the maze of life and we're stuck in some pathway that never rejoins the path to Jesus? It's time to let those paths go. It's time to walk away and come back to Jesus. See, our big idea today is that following God is to love God and love others more than ourselves whether that's our wealth, our riches, our influence, our power, our friends, our community, our generosity, our good deeds, our good works. We've got to love God above ourselves. So what do you feel rich in today? What is God telling you, hey, there's one more thing I need you to do. I need you to take care of this one thing because we've taken our lives and we've pulled it away and we've held it back. What is God calling you to lay aside? I'm going to ask the band to come forward. And as they do, I'd like for all of us just to bow our heads and close our eyes. At home as well. If you would, just close your eyes for a moment. And I would like you to imagine with me that we're in the position of this young ruler. Literally, like we are kneeling before Jesus. Can you see Jesus in front of you? Imagine that you're at the feet of Jesus on your knees and you're looking at him saying, Jesus, what, what do I need to do? And Jesus is looking back saying, here's what you're holding back. Here's what's preventing you from acting on my word today. What is he telling you?
Lord, you are our rock, our light, our salvation. And in this moment, as you are revealing to us that one thing, that you want us to leave behind. Lord, may we have the courage to leave it right here in this room, to leave it right on our couch where we're sitting at home, wherever that may be, that we would walk away from it in this moment and truly act on your word. Because we don't want to walk away sad. We don't want to walk away even amazed at your teaching, your wisdom, your love, your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Walk away and still not act in our lives. So God, what are you calling us to do? How can we follow you more fully today? Lord, we need you. We seek you as the author of our salvation. Help us, Lord, today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.